Would you say with me, now faith is. Hebrews 11, 1 said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I think, Sister Claude, if you just jump back to the announcements and pull up that scripture I have there on faith, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's going to happen. You prayed for it. God promised it. That's all you need. Praise God. Just go ahead and thank Him for it. Just go ahead and thank Him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 11.11 said, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. We say that my wife and I were late bloomers. Brother Clifton and Sister Debbie were late bloomers. We were married 14 years before Kara came into our life. We, we didn't do all the stuff that people do today to find out why and what. And we just figured someday it was going to happen. But a man came by to Bible college one day, and we were standing in the parking lot talking, Brother Darrell McCoy, and, and he said, y'all have children? I said, no. He said, well, I'm going to pray for y'all. He said, I've, I've, he was evangelizing at that time. He said, I uh, prayed for a number of people and that didn't have children. They had children. And it was probably about two years later that my wife became expecting. And uh, hadn't run into him again in that capacity. It happened. Brother Clifton, Sister Debbie, 16 years married, the child came. But what about Omkara Panwar? In 2008, 
Miss Panwar travel to a hospital about seven hours from New Delhi, India. And there she became the most aged woman in the world to give birth. She was 70. She gave birth to twins. A baby boy, a baby girl. Each weighed two pounds. The price tag of that procedure weighed so heavily on their finances, they sold everything to pay for it. Mr. Panwar sold the family buffalo, spent their life saving, mortgaged his land, and still took out a loan. His wife was already 70, but she was only 70. Tell your neighbor she was only 70. The scripture tells us about a lady that was 90. So Miss Panwar was only 70. Abraham had received a promise from God that he was going to have a very large family. I got a feeling that the way it struck him was like it strike you. If I'm going to have a great nation and I'm going to have a great name, we better get started. We better have a few sets of twins, triplets, quadruplets, you name it. This is what the Lord told him in Genesis 12 and 2. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There was no mention of whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. I'm sure that Abraham was looking, like most dads, for a son. I remember when I lived across the road from Dot and Leel. And they were, well, all, all they could have was little white girls. Their last name was White. It seemed like to be the right spot because her mom and dad had had 13 children in that little spot. And right across the road, the neighbors had had 13 bushnails across the road. But there were no sons for Dot and Leel. They just little white girls. Abraham was hoping for a boy. No doubt it 
at Great Hopes right away, something was going to start happening here pretty soon. Then God said, uh, by the way, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And Abraham's realizing there's really nobody that has descended from me yet. And I'm thinking, you know, at 60, my first grandchild came and grandchildren want to do things. They want Popsy to do it with them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had, uh, we had this morning in men's prayer, one granddad sat in the chair and he said, I I need prayer for my mind. You know, women have hot flashes. Men get hot checks. He said, my mind keeps telling my body to do things that my body can't do anymore. Abraham's thinking, my first child's coming, and I'm getting older. And then another decade passes, and I'm thinking, he's thinking, you know, I'm 10 years older now. It hadn't happened yet. Matter of fact, it, 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 it carried on like this until one day Sarah said, you know what? Maybe God needs some help. You ever been there? You, you got a promise from God and you... He didn't seem to be on time with it. And then you thought, well, maybe he's waiting for me to help him out. How many of you know that's a mistake? Yeah, uh, you've got this promise, you... It's, it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen in the time frame that we think it should. And so Sarah says, why don't you take my servant lady here, and you just have a child with her, and we'll call that our promise. That wasn't what God had in mind. You see, when, when, when God makes a promise, he can keep it. You believe that? Has he ever failed? It's that now thing. <laughs> it's, it's that now word that, that really works on us. Abraham, uh, the Lord said to, to Sarah, or to Abraham about Sarah, he said in Genesis 16 and 1, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. That's what the Lord said about that situation. Now, Sarah. It hadn't happened yet. The promise was there. But we've never been there, right? We never had those situations in our life when we felt like God said something at the wall. We were wondering, did God say something? Maybe that wasn't God. You know, that's our 
Maybe that's the way the devil comes and he talks to us and he says, you know, that probably wasn't God. So you just might as well just write that one off and move on. That probably wasn't God. Or maybe, maybe we've decided that, yes, it was God. And, and so we're still waiting for him to perform that promise. So how's your faith doing? How's your faith in the waiting process? Which one is real faith? Read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Talks about through faith, by faith, in faith. Faith is. And these all died in faith, not having received the promise. How's your faith? The devil says you don't have any faith because you don't have in hand what you believed for. But the scripture said these died in faith and they never had in hand what God promised. You say, well, how did they, how, how is their faith validated by you and me? By you and me. Because the scripture said they didn't receive the promise. And so it becomes incumbent upon the next generation to the, that receives the promise to live out that promise. So how do you keep from becoming discouraged or disillusioned while you wait? Faith, faith that at some point in our life is an emotional high. It seems like, you know, it's just there's some moments that, you know, we could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Or one fellow said we could run through the troop and, or through the wall and leap over a troop. But that, that word now grounds so many people. It, it takes them down. It, it pulls them down and they struggle. It, it clips the wings of soaring faith. And we wonder if we understand anything about God's timing. So here's Abraham and here's Sarah and they're waiting. And they're waiting and Sarah says, you know, maybe God needs help. What usually happens when you try to help God out? Things get pretty bad, don't they? 
I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I, I, can't get that, I can't get that okay from God, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. You ever had that time in your life? How long did you have to wait? Brother Tyrone, I've heard you testify about getting a promise from God. How, how do you... Did, did, did that go for years with that promise in your life? If I understand right, you had, a, you had a certain promise there. Why don't you just stand and testify about a promise that God gave you and how you process that thing till it came to pass. Y'all, y'all think he needs a microphone? Okay. <laughs> I know he does, but I, I couldn't hear him. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, in all things, I've trusted God, and, uh, and uh, there's just never, I always just telling someone this week that nothing just happens. It's, uh, it's all by God. There's efforts and there's planning and there's doing, but still, it's all by God. Nothing just happens. And uh, about the promise, I remember, I guess it's been, uh, I don't know, six years, seven years, maybe longer. We'd had a service here in a missionary, and we'd done a certain thing. And as I, uh, I went home and on the way back, well, uh, it was just like somebody riding with me, and God made a promise to me, and uh, I've held to that promise, and God has come about to give the promise. He's still working on it, and I'm still believing, but God never lets me down. Many times I've, uh, I've I actually took scripture, and. Uh, my Bible is little thin sheets, and uh, I asked God, I said, you know, God, I said, if you, you, uh, if you really spoke to me like I heard, I said, I'm going to just open that Bible, and I said, I want to read about the stars of heaven. And, uh, and I just laid that Bible down, opened it up, and it says, I will give to you as the stars of heaven on the left and the right. And I should have took that and went on. But I told God I was, you know, just kind of stunned at it. I said, I'm going to close it, and I'm going to open it again. And like I said, this Bible is not marked nowhere. I got markings in my Bible, but this page here wasn't. And I just opened that Bible up again on the identical page. And so I knew that God had made me a promise, and I never gave up on it. Amen. Brother Tyrone has told times he testified in church that he he would be wrestling outside while he's working about that promise. And he said the very conversation he had with God, he would come to church and the either the scripture you read, the the preacher, visiting preacher, would preach from that very scripture. Just confirming it. He didn't have it yet. Didn't have the answer yet. 
but God just kept reaffirming his promise. That's what he did in Abraham's life. He just continually shored up the promise. There were times that Abraham could have took you to the altar where God spoke to him. He built an altar there. Abraham was in the process always building altars and worshiping God. And, and he could be taken, you could, he could take you to that altar where the promise came. But it's years. It's years. But God's faithful. What's time to God? <laughs> he lives in timeless eternity. If he needs to get you to live to be 100 years old so you can have the child, if he needs Sarah to live to be 90 years old to have the child, just hang on to the promise. The scripture says about Sarah, she considered God faithful who had promised. Who has an enemy? I'm not talking about the physical people. I'm talking about that one that's in your head, that mouth of the devil that's there, and he's always trying to tear down the promise of God. Always trying to tear down our faith. And the one thing that he loves to use is this time lapse. Because he knows our human nature is microwave thinking. Now. Now. Cook it fast. Get it on the table now. But here is Abraham and Sarah. God reminded Abraham of a promise that he had made 24 years earlier. In Genesis 17, he said this, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will I give unto you and your descendants after you. You notice how many times he's using something that's not there? <laughs> descendants. Nations are coming out of you. Kings are coming from you. Me and you, I'm going to be your God. Descendants also, I'm going to be their God. So he makes a promise. He's talking to a man that he promised this to 24 years before. How long have you been holding on to your promise? Would you just be honest with me and just, just raise your hand if your arthritis is not too bad and say, the devil fights against my promise. He talks to me. 
he gets in my head. Tells me it's not going to happen. Tells me I ought to just go ahead and accept second best. That I ought to accept less than what God promised. What, what, what's the likelihood? We, we have the nurses in the house. They probably could explain this, but what, what's the likelihood of Sarah at 90 years old having a child? They said, said that a, a, Sister Katie worked with Dr. Gidry delivering babies taking them through all that pregnancy. I don't know how far y'all started before with some people, but uh, by the time a woman reaches 40, that reproductive cycle is just about over. Now, now we're hearing today that a lot of, Ladies or women are trying to have babies at 45. And uh, it's not like they got the kind of situation that Abraham and Sarah had. You got to remember, Sarah was still looking good at 90. Matter of fact, Abraham was lying about her because he didn't want nobody to take her from him. But just consider the natural body. Her bones are brittle. Her skin is thin. Just all the things that are necessary to give birth is just not there anymore. Unless you have a promise. Unless you have a God that's a miracle worker. Now, consider this. uh, More and more it seems like many, many women just seem to have so many complications during pregnancy. Is that the case, Sister Katie? The high blood pressure, bed rest, for weeks and months, some of them. Now you consider Sarah. There's no air condition. <laughs> do, do women get warm during pregnancy? You know, y'all that y'all need air. I, I, I remember being around a couple of them. Some of that they never get over. And, and then they're in a tent. Yeah, it's, uh, they've already added on because got a promise for the baby. And, and the tent materials need to be replaced by now. Don't you think the first week Abraham said, we better add a room on the house. We better put another piece on this tent. 
Somewhere along the way, Sarah looked past everything. She looked past the old baby room that now is faded and all the decorations are out of style. Because, you know, we, we decorate for the baby room. Can you imagine how many years later they're looking in that room and said, why did we buy that? Of course, we know they didn't do all that then. I don't guess. But I think they got excited about that baby like we would. But somehow Sarah was able to look beyond all of that and look to the God who could. Look past beyond what she could not do to the one she knew could do it. She considered him faithful who had promised. Brother Brian Kinsey wrote a book. I picked it up. I'm not sure which conference I attended, but it's entitled Made for More. In there is a story about Admiral Jim Stockade. He was the highest-ranking United States military officer held in a POW camp called the Hanoi Hilton. Stockade was in prison from 1965 to 1973. He was tortured more than 20 times. As a POW, Stockade had no rights no set release date, no objective reason to believe that he could see his home and his family again. But despite this, he organized resistance against his captors, survived the brutal captivity for eight years, and after his release, he was issued the Congressional Medal of Honor. Jim Collins read... Love and War, the book that Stockdale co-authored with his wife. And he couldn't imagine how anyone could survive those conditions for that long. Especially when he did not know what would happen or whether he would ever see home again. How could anyone endure that without losing hope? Stockade writes, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life. In retrospect, he says, I would not trade. Collins was interviewing him, and he finishes the story this way. He said, I didn't say anything for a few minutes, and we continued our slow walk toward the faculty club, stockade limping, his arc swinging stiff leg that never fully recovered from the repeated torture. Finally, about a hundred meters of silence, I asked, 
Who didn't make it out? Oh, that's easy, Stockay said. The optimists. The optimists? I don't understand, I said. Now completely confused, given what he had said just a few hundred meters earlier. The optimists. Oh, they're the ones that said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we'll be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart. After a long pause and more walking, then he turned to me and said, this is, the very, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the brutal facts of the reality of where you are. Sarah Abraham had to come to grips with the brutal fact that it hadn't happened. I think they quit setting dates. I don't know if it was in the fourth year or the 20th year. They quit setting dates. They just knew if God promised, he would. This is what Stockdale did. He just simply knew that one day I'm getting out of here. I'm dealing with the reality of my situation. But one day it's going to be better. I can't tell you if it's tomorrow or next week or next year or the next decade. But I am going to get out. It is going to happen. Sarah Abraham learned this valuable lesson from a question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Abigail and Arnold, this, have, this couple had come into a relationship with Jesus Christ while working in a very repressive Middle Eastern country. And Jesus knew exactly where they were. They jumped into involvement in an underground church in that country. During this time, God promised them time and again that they would have a family. But like Abraham and Sarah, God didn't give them a due date. As time passed, they found out That they, their work and 
This repressive country was not going well. They still didn't have a child. And then it wasn't long until things didn't work out very well. There was one devastating miscarriage after another. It became clear that they needed a miracle from God. And then Arnold lost his job. He searched and searched for a job but couldn't find one. That forced him back into his home country while his wife stayed where she worked on her job. It's kind of difficult to become a mother when your husband's in another country. That, that once powerful promise that God was going to give him a family began to be a fading memory. It became all the more clear that they needed a miracle. They needed a miracle for Arnold to have a job and to be brought back again. Of all places, Abigail was working in a fertility clinic. And then she received a call from one of the largest and most prestigious universities in the country. And they offered her to go to work for them immediately. She felt like it was God's mercy taking her away from the disappointment of watching others have babies while she remained childless. She told her employer about her situation that she was going to leave and go to work somewhere else. But then to her surprise, he came back and said, what would it take for us to persuade you to remain here on the job? So she was shocked, but then she started dreaming out loud. She said, I would... I would need my husband to have a good job with solid employment and a visa. I would need a significant increase in my salary. I need free access to treatments in the clinic. For them, it would have been much easier to hire someone else than invest everything they were going to need to invest to hire to keep Abigail. But the, agree, the owner agreed to all the conditions and God breathed life into a promise. And Arnold was able to get that job. She was able to keep hers. And they found out what God had promised. He was able also to perform. They were back together, and they had their child. You see, when God makes a promise, he's full well able to keep the promise. I told you about the man that was in Roy's the other day, the preacher, preached revival. He's preaching in LeBlanc, I think, right now. He, didn't, he met me for the first time. When he came to my table, he sat at another table. When I got ready to leave, he said, I want to pray for you. God spoke to me about your heart. And I gladly received that prayer as he prayed for me right there at Roy's. 
He didn't stand up on the table and say, everybody be quiet. He just simply prayed a prayer right there at the table between he and I. Maybe the next table heard him. I don't know. And then after he prayed, I told him my condition, my heart blockage is a result of Agent Orange. Who knows when that would stop until today. I said, who knows when it would stop until today when God spoke. Can God do that? Yesterday I was talking to Brother Hutchison. He pastors up in central Louisiana. I think he's still pastoring there. His son is the music director for Westlake. We were there for their 100th anniversary yesterday. And uh, he said, I want to tell you something. Brother Cox and I were talking. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, he said, I, I, I was on two, two or three blood pressure medicines, heart medicines. He has a bad heart condition, and uh, he said, uh, medicine's very expensive. And he said, I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, his appointment was coming up, and he said, I, I, want, I want to get off of this medicine. I want to get off of something. He said, this is expensive. So he said, I went to my doctor, and he said, I told the doctor, I said, I'd like to get off of some of this medicine. And the doctor said, well, would you like to, uh, you feel like you can do a, a walking stress test? They said, yeah, I think. He said, the doctor felt like that was the best, best way to get the best results. And so he said, I did the test. And he said, I came back and sat down with the doctor, and the doctor said, Man, I don't know who you know. But he said, there's nothing wrong with your heart. He said, I'm taking you off of all of your medicines. (laughs) He asked for one. God said, okay, (laughs) we'll just take them all away. You said, can God do that? Yeah, he can do that. Our God is able I said, our God is able. He's a promise-keeping God. He said in his word, he sent his word to what? Heal them. Anybody want to claim a promise from God today? You say, well, Brother Terry, I'm old. Forget all that. Sarah was old. <laughs> if anybody wanted to claim old, Sarah and Abraham could have, they could have opted out of receiving the promise. Kind of sounds crazy, doesn't it? They could have opted out. They just got tired of waiting and just said, okay, we don't need kids. Anybody ready to hang on to your promise? The devil wants you just to say, okay, they're not going to get saved. They're not going to get straightened out. It's never going to be better. I might as well just accept reality. No, no Jim Stockade said, it's going to happen. I don't know when. It's going to happen. It don't matter how many times you beat me, how many times you you try to destroy me. It's going to happen. 
God's telling somebody today, faith is. It's just going to happen. Would you stand together with me right now? Would you just reach over and take somebody by the hand and, and say, it's going to happen. Your promise is coming to pass. Your promise is coming to pass. God will do what he said he would do. Junior just got a report this week from his doctor that only 35% of his heart is working. He's looking at a defibrillator. Doctor turned back around to him after they had talked a while, and he said, I'm telling you, sir, you have to have this done or you will die. But there's a promise coming down a dusty road. God is able. God is able. He's faithful. He's faithful. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, it's just going to happen. The world says, show me. And I just say, I know it. (laughs) It's knowing that what you go to God in prayer for and you get in covenant with him, it's going to happen. Abraham was in covenant with God. And as a result, the promise came. Let's lift our hands to him right now. Jesus. Thank you for the promise, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your work, your will, your way. You're faithful, Lord Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, I believe it. Amen. Amen. So I would like to got hyped up about it. Well, I don't think Jim Stockdale got hyped up. He just plodded forward in faith. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting a foot ahead of the other one. Just whatever it takes. The reality of this situation is there. But the real fact is someday it won't be there. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I'm serving a faithful God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you this evening. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.